the Internet's most listened to talk radio network, VoiceAmerica.com, with Joyce Bender and Disability Matters. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. And I want to say right now a special hello to all of our friends in Canada where we have received so many emails about this show today, which is so exciting, really, for everyone with a disability in the world to celebrate. But today it is truly an honor for me to have as our guest the man who I believe is the man behind one of the greatest civil rights acts passed in Ontario, the Accessibility of Ontarians with Disabilities Act. I always refer to him as the Tony Quello of Canada, David Laposki, welcome to our show. Good afternoon. And it is an honor to have you with us. And for all of you listeners throughout the world, first I want to thank you because this listening audience has become so large, and it's because of all of you. It really is, and I thank you. But I want you to know that this man has worked day and night for years, for years and years, first on the ODA and now on the AODA, he has had his heart and soul into quality of life for Canadians with disabilities. It's really like you're getting to hear a true pioneer of civil rights with us. And, David, I want to say to you and all of your colleagues on the original ODA committee, congratulations on what has recently happened. Maybe you could start first by telling our listeners what the AODA is and what this will mean to Ontarians with disabilities. Well, I want to begin by thanking you both for uh, for your kind words and for having me uh, on the program. And I hope we can offer information that will be of interest to your listeners and that uh, may be of help to your listeners as well. Uh, we in Ontario, just so people know, um, Canada has ten provinces. Ontario is the biggest both geographically and by population, we've got over 11 million people. We have Canada's financial capital, uh, Toronto, in, in that province. So we, we're in a lot of ways the um, industrial and financial engine in Canada, though, of course, all the other provinces matter a great deal, too. Um, we have, for over 20 years, had what we thought were very good laws on the books to prevent discrimination because of disability. And in fact, in some ways, we were uh, ahead of the U.S. in some respects um, early on because in 1982, we passed uh, two important laws, one provincially and one nationally. In the province of Ontario, we took our major anti-discrimination law, which was called the Ontario Human Rights Code, and amended it uh, to include a ban on discrimination against people with disabilities, both physical and mental disabilities, uh, with respect to employment, um, and access to goods, uh, services, facilities, and accommodation. It was a good law. It was one of the many people who fought for those amendments, and we were very happy with what we got. Also, in 1982, Canada, uh, for the first time, got its constitution brought home from the United Kingdom and had a charter of rights, a, a constitutional charter of rights included. It includes an equality section, section 15, 
which now includes a ban on discrimination by governments against people with mental or physical disabilities. We weren't originally in the charter, but we had to fight to get in there, and we were successful. So after these two big victories over 20 uh, years ago, we thought, you know, heck, we've got the laws we need. Well, we worked with those laws for about 10 or 15 years, tried to get them implemented, tried uh, try to make some progress, and some progress was made. They're important laws, and we sure don't want to cut back on them, but starting a bit over 10 years ago, a number of folks with disabilities in Ontario, and it started out as a very small number, said, you know what, we, we, need, we need something more, not to replace those laws, but to supplement them. And I think we were spurred on in part by seeing the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act and other activities around the world that showed that we were actually kind of falling behind and that we couldn't just rest on the, the pride in what we won back in 1982. So a small group of us formed uh, and uh, decided what we wanted was a new law, a new law that would be made specifically for people with disabilities and designed to achieve our goal. And we summarized our objective in a very simple phrase. We said our goal was a barrier-free society, a barrier-free society in which people with all disabilities could fully participate, whether your disability is physical or mental or sensory, whether it's visible or an invisible disability. And when we said a barrier-free society, we, of course, weren't limiting ourselves to the physical barriers like steps to get into a building or a bus that impede uh, people with a mobility disability. We, we also wanted to target all the other kind of barriers, whether they're technological, bureaucratic, legal, attitudinal, or so on. So a small group of us um, uh, formed a coalition. We decided we wanted to call the law the Ontarians with Disabilities Act. We stole the name from the Americans with Disabilities Act. And our, so the short form was the ODA, and we were the ODA committee. I've had the privilege of serving first as its co-chair and then subsequently throughout the period as its chair. And we, we led the campaign for this law. Let me just tell you in a nutshell what we wanted to get um, and what happened. We wanted a new law. We wanted a law that would fix the problems with our existing laws. What were those problems? The big problems that we found in the past were that the existing rights we had uh, were, were well written, but they required people with disabilities to sue one barrier at a time. And we didn't want to have to spend our, our days and lives in, in hearings and in courts fighting one barrier at a time and one organization at a time, only having to go back and start all over again. We, wanted, we also knew that laws that just say don't discriminate are really good, but they're not clear. They don't tell a company or a government agency what you got to do. They don't tell them how wide the door should be or whether to put Braille on the elevator buttons or whether to have a sign language interpreter in a hospital. So we thought that it would be useful to have a law that would establish standards for the removal of barriers. We also didn't think that existing barriers were our only problem. We were actually seeing that new barriers were being created over time. I happen myself to be blind, and I work as a lawyer. Uh, my day job does not involve disability rights. This is just a volunteer activity. But, but I am. Um, we found that uh, I found, for example, as a blind person, that every time new software came out, uh, we blind folks were put behind the eight ball because we we couldn't use it with our our adaptive technologies. So new barriers were often being created to make make things harder. So we wanted to remove the old barriers 
pardon me, and to prevent new ones. So we set about to design a new law. We developed a blueprint for how it would be, uh, um, what it should look like after talking to our membership that was growing all over Ontario. Um, and we brought our message forward to the Ontario uh, legislature, which is the body that would be passing this law. Uh, well, Joyce, there's a long story about how we fought, and I can talk about it, but let me just tell you where we got to in a nutshell. We were offered first a really weak bill by a government that was in power in 1998, and which had promised to give us an Ontarians with Disabilities Act, but really wasn't that interested. We turned that law down, at that bill down. It was just, it was a joke. It was only three pages long, and it, it didn't require any barriers to ever be removed anywhere. It was, it was just lip service. That government got reelected and said they would try again. They came forward in 2001 with a second law bill, uh, which they passed, called the Ontarians with Disabilities Act 2001, or the ODA 2001. Now, it showed some progress, but it had some real limitations. What it required was for organizations in the provincial government and in what we call the broader public sector, like schools and universities and public transit providers, they had to make annual accessibility plans to say what they would do to work towards accessibility. That was a good step, but it actually didn't require those plans to ever be any good, and it didn't require those plans to ever be implemented. It also didn't require the private sector to do anything uh, to remove and prevent barriers. And we said we needed a law that would go further. We wanted to work with the ODA 2001 that was passed, but we also said we need a law that's mandatory, not optional, that's got real effective enforcement, that provides for making standards towards accessibility, and finally, that applies to all sectors of the economy, not just the government. If you think about it, you don't shop at City Hall, you don't go to the drug, you buy your medications and food to the private sector, not in government. A new government was elected in Ontario in 2003. We, uh, our coalition is nonpartisan and we'll work with any government that will work with us. And the new government, um, under the leadership of the new, in, 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 in Canada, the head of the provincial government is called a premier. Our premier elected in 2003 is a gentleman named Dalton McGinty. Uh, M-C-G-U-I-N-T-Y for people who are captioning this. Um, and Premier McGinty's party, as the other opposite, both of the opposition parties in Ontario, the Liberals and the New Democratic Party, had both fought really hard to get a stronger disability act than the previous conservative government had delivered. Anyway, when Premier McGinty campaigned in 2003, he said that if elected, he would deliver a new disability act uh, and introduce it within a year of taking office after consulting with Ontario's disability community. And he kept his word down the line. He, his government held a major province-wide open and accessible consultation over the next months uh, in which many, many people with disabilities took part all around the province, coming forward with their ideas, as well as people from business and local government and so on. Everybody came forward to share their ideas. Uh, Premier McGinty's government also did something that nobody had ever done before. They brought to the very same discussion table folks from the disability community, folks from the business community, and folks from government, and tried to work out a consensus. And while previous governments had worried that we would all never agree, we actually reached a fair amount of consensus reflected in the law that 
that came about. Well, after all this consulting, the, the, the McGinty government introduced a new bill last fall and held public hearings on it. And that law just passed about four weeks ago on uh, the 10th of May, 2005. Uh, the Liberals wanted to put their own, the, the Liberal Party with Premier McGinty in the lead wanted to put their own name on it. So they called it the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act, or AODA. So now we've gone from having an ODA that was limited and weak to an AODA that is stronger and mandatory uh, and promises a lot more progress. That's a long 10-year summary and a short answer and a fairly wordy answer, but Joyce, I think that'll give you a start. Wow. You know what? That is tremendous, but I'm, as I'm hearing this whole thing, I'm also thinking how much everyone in Canada owes to you and to your committee, because as you heard him say, folks, this isn't really his daytime job. Well, I want to emphasize, Joyce, i got to emphasize, I appreciate your kind words, but this is not by any, by any stretch of the imagined the work of, of one individual. This is the work of many, many people around the province. I've had the privilege of serving in a leadership role, but i got to tell you, there are people with disabilities and family members of people with disabilities and service organizations that serve people with disabilities that have fought long and hard for this. And I mean across hundreds and hundreds of miles going to meetings, going to public hearings in the frozen winter that we get sometimes up here that you might have heard about. Uh, people who've written gone to their members of the legislature and uh, banged on the door till someone would talk to them, uh, people that went to the legislature time and time again to raise these issues, people that lobbied their local city councils to pass resolutions supporting us, lots and lots of people, many of whom I frankly never had the chance to meet in person, I regret, but often I got a chance to talk to via the internet. Uh, and these are the real foot soldiers. These are the people that won this uh, this tremendous battle. Well, I say to all of you and to your great leader, David Leposky, congratulations for your fire. And we'll be right back. We're going to break for a minute, but we will be back to talk to a pioneer and civil rights leader for people with disabilities in Canada, the very honorable David Leposky. This is Joyce Bender. You're listening to The Voice of VoiceAmerica.com. We'll be right back. The world leader in Internet talk radio. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S., 
and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom, and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Have you put down the morning paper in disgust because they weren't reporting what you wanted to read? Have you wondered why there aren't more women's voices in the news? Well, so have I, and we're about to change that. This is former Minnesota State Senator Ember Reichgott Young. I hope you'll join me for a new radio show every Thursday all about women on the move. We'll look at what's missing in the news, the issues often ignored in mainstream media, like how does Social Security reform really affect women? Why is the Department of Labor proposing to stop collecting workforce data on women? What role will women play in Iraq's new government? We'll create that debate right here. The Ember Scott Young Show will have prominent women you know and inspiring women you don't know. We'll share stories of women's leadership, courage, and vision. We just need you to be part of the conversation. So join us for the Ember Scott Young Show every Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time. It's all about you, women on the move, on voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. Internet talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, please call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Bender. And welcome back. We're talking to Mr. David Leposky. The, he is the ministry, works with the ministry as, an, as the attor- for the Attorney General's office. Is that right, David? Yeah, my day job, I work uh, in the field of, uh, in uh, the, the criminal law field. My disability rights activity is a, uh, an activity I do in my, uh, my spare time. Yeah, this is what he does in his spare time. In the evening, in his other spare time, he is the chairman for the ODA committee, and as we just were talking to you about, uh, the ODA now is being referred to as the AODA. But for those of you extremely interested in understanding this more, David, what is the website? Let me give you two resources for our listeners. The first is if you want to see the website, which... Uh, it's a few weeks behind in terms of its currency, but it documents every step of this battle from day one. You can go to www.odacommittee.net. one word, dot net, odacommittee.net. The other thing is some people, if they're really keen, might be interested. Um, I've written a 200-page published history of the first eight years of this campaign of ours. It goes up to the nineteen uh, the two thousand three election. I'm happy to email to people. There is absolutely no charge. Just send an email requesting the ODA history article. Um, and you write that to the following email address. It's ODA at ODA committee dot net. That's ODA at ODA committee dot net. And just send an email saying you'd like a copy of the 
uh, the, the ODA history piece, and I'll send it to you. It's an MS Word format, uh, and it's there to tell the story. And it's written not, you don't have to be a lawyer, and you sure don't have to be Canadian. It's written in language intended to make it accessible to people from all around the world, from uh, any background, not necessarily having to be a lawyer. That is tremendous, and you know, um, we, we will also put that on our website and put something out on Voice America because that's really important. Understanding the history is so important of any civil rights movement. It really is. So I would encourage you, if you're listening to the show, to really follow up with that and to go to that odacommittee.net because it, it has everything on there, including all the public hearings for Bill 118, mm-hmm. uh, all the recent information, uh, up-to-date, really, really great uh, information, good website. And David, speaking of Bill 118, which is the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act, it was passed unanimous. This was an, there was an extraordinary, two extraordinary symbols of, of unity on the, uh, the 10th of May 2000, or, yeah, 2005 at the legislature. The first was that in the legislature when this bill went for its final vote, all three political parties are, uh, the New Democratic Party, which is considered more to be on the left, the Conservative Party, which is considered to be more on the right, and the Liberal Party that probably would place itself in between. All three of them voted unanimously for this law, and uh, there was a standing ovation that they gave, and they actually signed their votes in sign language. Uh, it was quite an exciting moment. But also, right after the bill passed, a news conference was held at the legislature, and there were three people participating. For the government was Dr. Marie Butriani, in case anyone wants the spelling, it's B-O-U-N-T-R-O-G-I-A-N-N-I. She was the cabinet minister who brought in the law and was a strong advocate for it, developed it, and did all the hard work with her, her excellent staff at the ministry that she works at. And as well, a gentleman representing the Retail Council of Canada from the business sector. So we had the disability, and, and I was at the con- press conference as well. So you had business, disability, and government uniting behind a law that in the legislature all three political parties um, united uh, in support of, and that was quite exciting. Joyce, if you think it would be helpful, I'd be happy to just give a quick summary of what the ODA does, because well, people heard what, right where we, how we got there, but I haven't talked about what it does. Go right ahead. All right, well, the background of this law is, as I said earlier, that it's already required by law that organizations not discriminate against people with disabilities, and you can sue uh, if they do. Um, this law goes further. What it says is, is it sets as its goal making Ontario a fully accessible province where people with disabilities, whether it's a physical disability or a mental disability or a sensory disability, can fully benefit from jobs, employment, and access to goods and services and facilities. And uh, the law also sets a deadline. This is the first time I've seen this in any Canadian law. It says our goal will be achieved by the, within 20 years. I'll talk more about that deadline in a minute, but how do we get there? Well, the first thing it, it, it does is the basic formatted approach, approach it takes is, is that it, 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 the government is going to be uh, developing accessibility standards for the sectors of the economy that need to be covered. 
to develop those, and once those standards are developed, they're going to be law, and there will be a process for enforcement if you don't comply with them. The accessibility standards, are, we hope, are supposed to indicate to what different sectors, whether hospitals or schools or restaurants or whatever, what they've got to do and when they've got to do it by to make themselves uh, fully accessible. Now, the law defines disability very broadly, much more broadly than the Americans with Disabilities Act. In fact, the U.S. could learn a really good lesson on how to, more, to avoid some of the messes you've gotten into in the Supreme Court by using the language we've used to define disability. And it also defines barrier very broadly so that it's not just about ramps and wheelchairs, though that's an important issue. It's also about the full range of physical and non-physical barriers that can confront people with disabilities. Well, how are these standards going to be developed? It's an interesting format, and it's basically one that we, we developed and proposed uh, from experience we heard about around the world. Uh, the government is going to be required to appoint standards development committees to develop these standards. There will be different committees for different sectors of the economy. And at the table will be disability representatives, and industry representatives and government representatives because the way we put it, Joyce, is that people with disabilities are experts on what their needs are and business folks are experts in how to run a business. And we need both of them there to work together. And just as getting us to the same table led to such a good law being developed, we think that getting them to the same table will lead to good standards being developed. These folks will develop these standards. They'll have the uh, opportunity to get input from the public. Once they've developed a proposed standard, they will submit it to the government, which will have to uh, make it public, and there will be a chance for, for the public to say what they think of the proposed standards, and then the government will be expected to decide whether to enact the standard or to vary it before they enact it. We're hoping that the standards development committees will do a sufficiently good job that once they propose a standard, the government won't have a whole lot of choice politically but to simply adopt what's proposed to them. Once these standards are developed, there will then be an enforcement process with inspections and, and audits and so on, uh, and a, uh, a fine process if you don't comply. Um, what's really good about this is that means that people with disabilities don't have to sue one barrier at a time. There'll be a, 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 a system in place to to enforce it. But before you're going to start enforcing it, you got to give people a chance to figure out what it is they got to do and to start implementing it. So we we would like to give people a chance to learn, but not just learn by being educated, but also to know what the standards are that the law requires of them. Uh, and then after that, they'll have uh, a time to implement it. And then uh, if they do, that's fabulous. And if they don't, uh, then there will be uh, a stick as well as a carrot there. And the, the other thing that the government did, which is very interesting, is they proposed, they gave themselves the power to enter into incentive agreements with organizations. If an organization wants to get to accessibility quicker or to do more than the law requires, then they can try to, the government has the power to negotiate incentive agreements with them uh, in exchange for this. Uh, so the law will set the minimum that people have to do, but there's also a, uh, uh, an opportunity to do more. Well, just as Miss Patty LaBelle is singing in the background, you're really changing attitudes in Ontario there, Mr. Leposky. And we'll be right back to talk more to the Honorable Mr. David Leposky. This is Joyce Bender, the voice of voiceamerica.com. Hold on, we'll be back. 
Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Make Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. If you have a question or comment for Joyce or her guest, please call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now back to Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Bender. And welcome back. We're talking to David Leposky about the May 10th passage of the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act passed unanimously by the Ontario Legislature, which is so fantastic. And, David, I know that you're excited about this and your whole group and colleagues and peers are so excited about this. You mentioned before that the AODA, this time will hit the private sector. Yeah, it will cover both the public and the private sector. Okay, and you were talking about how the implementation of this actually has a deadline. Yes, the um, we've always said and understood that to, to make an entire province become fully accessible is not the kind of thing you do overnight. And you need timelines, but they've got to be realistic. Some things you can change overnight and some things you can change uh, will take a longer period, whether it's public transit facilities or whatever that will require um, some really kind of significant changes. Uh, and the government decided to set 
a deadline for the whole project to be completed by, and they put that in the law. They set 20 years. Now, this 20-year date, I will tell you, was the subject of a, a range of different responses within the, the disability community. Some felt that it was it was too long, that why should people have to wait 20 years? And uh, my, uh, my response to that had been, the following. Uh, first and foremost, the most important thing is not the end date, but what's done now. Uh, we want we we need to have a system that set locks in actions that have got to be taken promptly. And we were successful in getting some amendments to the bill when it was before the legislature to help uh, make sure that happens. The, the second thing is that the 20-year deadline actually was an important um, piece that that led the, uh, a number of important voices within the, bis dis the business community to come on board, and we really wanted their support uh, to help make this this law worked. work. Uh, the third thing is, is it's it's the end date. It doesn't mean that people can wait till the December 30th on the 19th year before they have to do anything. The law is designed so that standards can require actions to be taken, you know, uh, a lot, you know, much before that. But on the other hand, it does set an end date and a date against which we can measure progress. One of the things that the bill requires is that the government make an annual report on how we're doing and that in, after four years and then every three years afterwards, the government's got to appoint someone who should be independent to give an evaluation of how we're doing and to getting to our goal and whether the law needs to be strengthened uh, to go to, to make sure we get there on time. And the law also requires that that person who does that independent review after four years and then every three years after that, they're going to have a duty to consult with the community, including the disability community. So it's going to keep the the government's feet to the fire uh, throughout this period. It's not the kind of thing they can just pass the buck down the line and say, oh, well, we're not going to be around 20 years. What do we care? Right. Right. Well, you know, I'm curious. What has been the reaction to all this from the private sector? Well, what's been very interesting is that our, you know, our private sector has not, uh, been shy to complain when government comes forward with a regulation they don't like. Um, and while there were a few voices that were uh, worried about the ultimate, sort of the worst case scenario, the reaction that we've heard, um, you know, from significant corners has been positive. But the other thing that's really been interesting and very positive is that even a couple of the uh, some private business organizations who came before the legislature to express concerns when the bill was brought forward, they said, but we want to be on the standards development committees. So in other words, they, they, they too see an avenue in this bill to help make sure that their concerns um, are brought forward. And that's exactly what we had in mind when we proposed that standards be developed through a, uh, a joint table uh, with, with business and government folks and the disability community at the same place and time. Uh, and I think that what will happen is that these committees will provide a chance for people to get uh, a sense to learn from each other, to, to uh, really buy into the process. Um, um, there are also a number of voices from the business community who, who see the benefit of achieving accessibility, who see the harm that they suffer by, by not having it. I mean, if you look at it this way, if we could have a more accessible system of schools and colleges, then business would get uh, a better uh, a labor pool to draw on. If we had a more accessible public transit system, 
business would be able to get customers and workers to their workplace more easily and therefore have more customers and a uh, uh, a broader labor pool to draw on. You know, what business would complain about that? Right, right, right. Well, as you said, it would be only normal that there would be some people that would speak up because we had a lot of people who spoke up here in the United States. So I know what uh, the whole disability community went through here. And it does seem, I, I noticed you mentioned before, David, that with the ADA we could have learned and had less problems if we had done a few things that you had done. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, um, let me just pick up on something you said before. I mean, during the first eight years of our campaign, from 1995 to 2003, there was a party in power in Ontario called the Conservative Party, and they they were not willing to extend this law to the private sector, and they spoke against the idea of requiring business to uh, to do this and to make it mandatory. They said it was you know, good for business to become accessible, but let business just do it on their own. What's interesting is that when the McGuinty Liberal government took power in 2003, and they made it clear they were going to bring forward this legislation, the uh, conservatives, who are now in opposition, actually voted for it. So in other words, they, they were not prepared to do it when they were in power, but they weren't prepared to vote against it when they were in opposition. Uh, and that's really important because we want bipartisan support for this law. We think that the center of political gravity has shifted in Ontario, uh, and it's a credit uh, to all the people in our movement who have fought so hard for this law, banging on doors in their local communities right across this big province. It's a credit to them that politicians don't want to be on the wrong side of the debate. It's a credit to them that local business community folks are seeing the wisdom of doing this. Okay. David? Yes. We have a caller on the line who'd like to speak to you. Go ahead. Hello? Hello, Joan. Yes. Hi, Joyce. How are you, Joan? I'm fine. How are you? I am just fine, thank you. Do you have Hello, a question David. for Mr. Lepofsky? Hello, David. How are you? Hi. Where are you calling from? I'm. This is Joan Stein calling from ADA Incorporated in Pittsburgh. Well, nice to talk to you. And may I mention, David, that Joan is the CEO of this company, but she is known nationally here in the United States and has done premier work on accessibility for places such as the uh, baseball stadium right here in Pittsburgh, PNC Park, uh, but really speaks at conferences all across the United States. So she is Miss Accessibility in the USA. That's great to meet you. please. You're, you're too modest. <laughs> David, I, uh, first and foremost, I want to congratulate you on, on the landmark legislation um, for, on the Ontario's Access Act. It's, it's very exciting to, to see it come to fruition. Well, thank you much. It's, it's, uh, it's a congratulation that goes to, to all the many people who, uh, who, who fought the battle over the past decade. Yes, I can, I can appreciate that. And, and I guess the, the, the one thing that I would say is that the, and, and as you recognize, the battle's just, or the work has just begun. Oh, there's no doubt. Now our work shifts completely in the sense that we don't have to make the case to the politicians why we got to do this. Now we got to roll up our sleeves, sit down at the table and talk about what are going to be the priorities, how are we going to fix these barriers. Um, it's a more, uh, it, it's a more, uh, 
kind of nuts and bolts discussion. We're delighted we've won the chance to get to that table, but there is a huge amount of work ahead. There's no question of that. Right. And actually, you, you made a great segue into my question, and that is where do you or what kind of time frame or what direction do you see it going in terms of developing the technical requirements, and, and do you see – um, do you see Ontario following the lead, following the lead of um, what we've done in the United States with the um, with the accessibility guidelines? Well, I think what you're going to see is this: the government is now, uh, the provincial government is now, they're, all of their resources were going into just getting the bill through mm -hmm. uh, and dealing with the, the technical amendments that we were dealing with for several months. Uh, now that that's done. Uh, they are, I gather, working on developing an implementation plan. The first step is going to be to decide which areas they're going to have the first standards development committees work on. Uh, because we don't want to start with, uh, it doesn't make sense to start with 10 or 20 standards development committees with everybody running around, nobody knowing what to do. Exactly. We want to start small in a narrow priority area and uh, uh, develop some experience and then be able to branch out from there. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, the first decision they're going to have to make is, is, is doing that. So what area, say, government buildings that they would focus on first or restaurants and hotels or Right, exactly. And the government is over the debate over the bill has talked about different ideas and that's something where I think people are going to have to voice their views to the government of what they'd like to see be the the, the priority area. The second thing is is that there's a really nice transition while they're getting started because this law doesn't immediately repeal the two thousand and one bill which only dealt with the broader public sector. That law will stay on the books until this law is fully implemented. Okay. So it will overlap the 2001? It will overlap, which means that the, there's been activity going on since 2001 or 2002, working on uh, municipal services, uh, schools, universities, hospitals, and, and so on. And while the new law will strengthen that activity, that activity will carry on uh, pending. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, from the disability community side, there's a couple of things that I, I see happening, one of which is that there are already any number of people who are uh, emailing me and who I believe are emailing the government saying that they want to be on these standards development committees, which right. is great. And, and the other thing is business. Um, in my experience, business takes their lead from government but wants to be ahead of government. Mm -hmm. And I've heard from more than one uh, voice within the business community that they want to be ahead of this. So even before standards are developed and all that stuff, they like to get to work now. Good. And uh, so there are going to be opportunities just to get out there and, uh, uh, and build the action. Uh, let me give you just one example of something that's going on that's not rooted explicitly in the bill, but it's really quite exciting. Uh, the Chief Justice of the Province of Ontario, uh, uh, the Honorable Roy McMurtry, um, in January announced that even before this bill is passed, he would like the judicial system to uh, work on accessibility. So he's appointed a task force to start developing plans for a barrier-free justice system. Excellent. That's already underway. Excellent. And, and listen, I hate to close right there, but we have to go to break June. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. And, David, congratulations, and I look forward to uh, helping you in any way that we can from, that would be from, great. from down south here. That All right, and listen, we'll be right back after break with Mr. David Leposky from Ontario. This is the voice of voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back.
the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. My name is Maxine Thompson, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. In today's world, it's hard to find the truth with anything. Is there such a thing as the truth? Where and how can I find it? Will someone just give it to me straight? Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific for Mario Vidal, an exciting new show that will give it to you straight every time and tackle the truth behind everything from political issues and crime to vocational and career counseling. So log on and tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk, radio. Internet talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, please call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Welcome back, and listen, I have to apologize to this great listening audience we have but I know from our producer that we've had so many calls, people trying to get on here to talk to Mr. Leposky that the lines were jammed, and I apologize, but I've got good news for you. I've talked him into coming back on the show later this year, so don't worry. You'll get to talk to him again, and the next time what we're going to do is possibly have you send in some of your questions ahead of time so that we can make sure they all get asked. David, one of the questions, though, that did come through just a few minutes ago is can you still join the ODA committee? Yeah, there's no charge, and you, frankly, what we do, membership isn't a big deal. It's more a matter of you just want to be on our email list. I'm going to tell you what to write. Just write ODA at odacommittee.net and just say, please add me to your email list. Because we send out updates. People are following us not only in Ontario but across Canada, across the U.S., in Israel, Australia, England, all over the world, we're getting feedback on what we're doing. Uh, and uh, learning from them, too. It's really fun to exchange ideas. So just send an email to oda at odacommittee.net, 
And as I mentioned earlier, you can also you can ask to join the email list. And if you'd like to get a, a very detailed history of our movement, just put in the email. Please email me your history of the of the ODA movement, and I'll, I'm more than happy to send it. There's no charge for any of this. We're all volunteers, and we're happy to share. That's wonderful. And, David, uh, when you were talking about the barriers coming down, including attitudinal barriers, how is this going to impact employment, in your opinion? Uh, I'm always worried about employment, as you know, for Canadians with significant disabilities. Uh, and I, I'm not sure. If, do you know what is the rate in Ontario of unemployment for people with significant disabilities? I, I don't know. The current figures over the years, we've seen numbers for people with disabilities at the rate of 50-plus percent of unemployment. Uh, th this law addresses, speaks to accessibility not only in access to goods and services and facilities, but also in employment. So it's a comprehensive approach, which is really good because, let me give you an example. If an organization has barriers, that impedes customers with disabilities from coming in and spending their money there. It also impedes people with disabilities from coming in and working there. And so removing the same barrier expands your labor pool and your customer pool. Uh, we don't want to be just a look at everything piecemeal. Uh, our view is that uh, a barrier is a barrier and it blocks people down the line. We also believe that you need to fix uh, education accessibility and transit accessibility in order so that people with disabilities can get the training they deserve and be able to get to work. Um, so if you want to target accessible, if you want to improve employment for people with disabilities, yes, you've got to focus on the workplace but you've also got to work on the things that get you to the workplace and that qualify you for the workplace. And that's why we wanted a law that, that covered both employment and access to good services and facilities all at the same time. And I also believe, I, I do believe, that now that this AODA impacts the private sector on accessibility, you know, obviously these things all relate. So, you know, I, I feel that we'll have a very positive impact. I really do. The other thing that this thing works on, you know, in the past, one of the things that we learned when we've participated uh, in conferences around the world talking about these things is we were long past the day where people think that just educating people and raising awareness is, is all you need. Uh, what you need to do is to change actions. So when you change actions, the attitudes will follow. Well, this law is all about changing actions. But by doing that, you've got to let people know what you need them to do, and that's why we wanted detailed accessibility standards uh, and to get them to uh, uh, feel like they uh, uh, feel receptive to those standards. We want to give people a hand in developing those standards, both from the business perspective and government perspective and the disability perspective. That's, that is good. I agree with you completely also. And you're listening, by the way, to David Lepofsky, an attorney from the Ministry of the Attorney General, but also the chairman of the ODA committee, the civil rights leader of a group of wonderful people who worked with him to see the Accessibility of Ontarians with Disabilities Act pass this May. And it's so exciting to have that happen and have him on with us. David, I wonder if you mind sharing with them the story you told me at break about your luncheon. This is a riot. I was at the work on the day that the bill was going to go for its final vote. I went out to lunch with a friend of mine, and I uh, we went to a Chinese restaurant, and I got a uh, I got a fortune of my fortune cookie. And I must say, they haven't yet come up with Braille fortune cookies, though the cookie would have to be much bigger. I wouldn't complain about a much bigger <laughs> cookie, of course. 
But I got a fortune, which is really a message to all about all the people who fought this cause. The fortune was amazing. It says every great accomplishment is at first impossible. Uh, that speaks to all the great people who kept their optimism up and their tenacity up over this decade uh, to fight for this law and that weren't prepared to settle for weak half measures when they were offered to us. Oh, and you know what? Don't settle. Isn't that what it's all about? Don't settle. And here's a man that did not settle. And, you know, David, that's what we need. We need more people in the world who have this passion as you do to become an advocate for people with disabilities. Many people care, but if you have the passion or dedication that you do, and I have to ask you, why? why? What made you do this? Uh, it needed to be done. We, uh, I met wonderful people to work together with. It was a team effort. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. It was a lot of hours, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, we just boldly wanted to go where no Ontario legislation had ever gone before and, and uh, it, it was it was too important not to do and I'm going to tell you something about this man he is the kindest nicest gentleman and has helped me anytime I've ever called him from way back when this all first was going on um, and his congratulations because I know that that you are now married and have uh, a, a wife who also is involved in this industry isn't that correct well, she teaches in the field of psychology, and she's uh, invariably gotten drawn into this cause because she, because it's such uh, an exciting uh, part of of of, uh, of my life. Uh, I want to just share one idea, and maybe we could take calls if we have time. But I just want to share one idea that we really learned that was may help people who are advocating in their own communities anywhere in the world. If there's one lesson that we've learned in Ontario, it was this. When we started out 10 years ago, uh, we faced a lot of politicians who were afraid to push for strong legislation because they were afraid of a backlash in the business community or whatever. And then what happened were some parties were more, political parties were more prepared to show leadership on this. We are nonpartisan. We don't cheer for any party or vote for any particular, you know, people can vote for whoever they want. Uh, we don't tell them how to vote. But what did happen in Ontario was we had a particular uh, two opposition parties, the New Democratic Party and the Liberal Party, that both were prepared to stand up for this cause. One of them got elected, the Liberal Party, and their leader, Dalton McGuinty, I really think deserves credit for saying, you know what, this is the right thing to do. And he, instead of seeing it as something to worry about, it was something to be proud of. And they uh, they stood by their ground. And once they showed that kind of leadership, they found cooperation from the business community, from the disability community, and from the local government community. Um, and that's where political leadership really can generate a consensus that, that may not have even been there beforehand. Um, and uh, without that leadership, it's much harder to do. But I think people can go to their local politicians and say, hey, come on, this is a chance for you to be courageous. Maybe you might be a little bit of a nervous Nelly about it, but, but show some leadership because the Ontario message is that when you show leadership, even the people who were worried about it will vote in favor of your cause. And that's what happened when this law passed unanimously. Because you know what, David? It's the same way when you deal with a corporation about an initiative for employment. If you have the CEO involved and engaged, what a difference it makes. And I'm so sorry that we're coming to the end of this show. And, David, you must promise me you'll come back on because I'm going to have a lot of angry listeners if they don't get to talk to you. But I want to say my hat's off to you. You're a great fan. Thank you. 
Thank Great you so band. much for inviting me. And I'm going to end the show with a quote, as I always do on every show, by someone who has helped in any way in the civil rights of people with disabilities. In this case, it is the premier, Dalton McGinty, who said, every person deserves the opportunity to learn, work, and play to his or her full potential. How true those words are. This is Joyce Bender, and you've been listening to the voice of VoiceAmerica.com and to the great David Leposky. And I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.